man, I am excited about, about today. We are launching into our building program, and this morning I'm really, really excited to begin to bring this message to you. And as I begin today, I just got a really quick question. How many of you out there love to watch documentaries? If you do, raise your hand. Yeah, lots of us do. Many, many of us do. Now, in my house, uh, my wife Lisa likes to watch Christmas Hallmark movies. And I like documentaries. Who do you think is more educated? But no, I'm just, I'm kidding around. No, uh, she, she loves Hallmark movies. I like to watch documentaries. And I watched a great one a, a while back. And, and, and it was talking about one of my favorite parts of American history. And that is the 50s and 60s and the, the space movement that happened back then. It really is, really was a remarkable time in history. And this one particularly talked about the Apollo 8 mission that happened back then. It was the first manned spacecraft to successfully orbit the moon. Now, it had been tried before, but this one was actually successful. And it really is a remarkable thing because the way they were able to do this in the 1960s with limited technology really is a remarkable, remarkable thing. And it's so remarkable, in fact, that many people believe it never happened. They think this was all just a big hoax, that the government just kind of, you know, told us lies and it didn't really happen, because how could it have happened? Because it was such a remarkable feat. And if you believe that way, I'm sure you have your reasons to believe that way. But for the rest of us today, it's easy to understand why people might think that way. Because it was such a remarkable thing. And, and so the gist of how it worked out and how it happened was the fact that they, they got out of the atmosphere. That in and of itself was pretty amazing. Um, this was a difficult thing for them to do. And of course, that was the mission. The, the mission was for them to get out of the Earth's atmosphere, to, be, to go into the moon's atmosphere, to rotate around it 10 times, and then to be shot back up towards the earth. What an incredible thing to have happen. Now, when they hit the jets and they left the earth's atmosphere, they, hit, they left the earth's atmosphere at 25,000 miles per hour. And that was very precise speed. And it had to be that way because had they not left the earth and done it at that speed uh, too fast, they would have blown through the atmosphere and burned up and too slow. They may not have made it out. So it had to be exactly the way it was. And then they had, they're going to the moon, which by, by, of course, in of itself is pretty amazing because the moon does not stay st still either. They're traveling at 25,000 miles per hour, and the moon travels at 2,300 miles per hour. This would have been hard enough if both things were stationary, but they weren't. Both things are moving at incredibly fast speeds. And not only that, but there was a very specific point that they had to hit the moon. And they had to hit it at this, this spot. It had to be perfect. It had to all work out right. Because if they hit it wrong, they would have gone too hard. And they would have gone right into the moon. And too soft, it would have bounced off of the moon or off its atmosphere and out into space. And who knows, who knows what. And the plan is to, re to rotate around the moon 10 times. And then at precisely the right moment, leave the Earth's atmosphere or leaves the moon's atmosphere, uh, rotate outside of the moon's atmosphere, and then hit the jets and head back to the earth at just the right time. And of course, it happened exactly as it was supposed to. 
Now, the question you might ask is, well, how did this happen? How did this happen exactly as it's supposed to? Well, the, the truth is, is that this documentary continued to show, show pictures of banks of really smart people with thick horned rim glasses and pocket protectors, mathematicians who had come up with this incredibly detailed plan based on, based on mathematics and based on all kinds of different scenarios. And they had a detailed plan that they worked out moment by moment, step by step, and they executed it to perfection. And it seems difficult, it was. But it was not impossible. And the reason why that it was not impossible is because of a very simple truth. And the truth is this, is that the universe operates on some unchangeable natural laws. When you live to work within those laws, you can do what was previously thought of as being impossible. They are unalterable. They are absolute. We know that. We see that. And we live by them. And just like there are physical laws that are in motion that work much like we just talked about, there are also spiritual laws that are just as fixed and just as absolute. Now, why did I tell you this to lead up to today's message? Because, and the reason is because we oftentimes forget the impact of a promise from God when God gives us a spiritual law, right? We oftentimes forget just how impactful that God, when God says something, when God lays down a law, it's just as absolute, just as ironclad as a natural law that God set in motion as well. There are things that God set in motion that work when we walk in obedience. This morning, I want to base today's message on two simple truths. The first one is that God blesses what he possesses. Amen? God blesses what he possesses. And the second one is that God energizes what he initiates. Now, our, our passage today found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, illustrates this truth pretty amazingly. So would you open up your Bibles today to Galatians 6, 7 through 9, and here's how it starts. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What's coming again is a spiritual law that cannot be undone, that God set in motion, that God set in course. It will not be undermined. God will not be mocked by somebody who can say, well, I figured out a way around this. I figured out a way to get it, to skirt the system that God set in motion. No, you can't do that. God put this in motion, and this is the law that he put in motion. This is it. For whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Now, I want you to think about that simple truth this morning. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For, as it continues, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, oftentimes, this is seen in the negative, right? We see this in a negative side. If you sow sin or you sow things that are wrong, well, you're going to get a wrong life. You're going to get a sinful life. It's sowed to the flesh. It's going to be negative. And, and, and the truth is, sin is oftentimes a more fun seed to plant, but the harvest of sin is where it gets pretty brutal. Sowing and reaping to the flesh, though, is more than just blatant sin. How much of how we use our resources, our time, our talents, and our, 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 our money, how much of that could be seen as sowing to the flesh as well? 
It's a deep thought, isn't it? It's, it's a thing that I think God's calling us to consider and to think about. But this truth is also very positive when we sow the right seed. Because he continues here in verse 9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due time, in due season, we'll reap harvest if we do not lose heart. So what Paul is doing here is Paul is sharing a spiritual law that God has communicated all along, a law that we see in the world around us, that what you plant makes your harvest. Now, I want you to think about this for a second, because when one plants a seed, you don't get your seed back. What you do get back is you do get back many seeds, possibly, when you wait in due season. I have an apple here this morning as an example. Whoever planted the tree for this apple, at some point, I don't know when it was, but at some point along the way, someone planted an apple seed, and this apple seed grew into a sprout, which grew into a larger sprout, which grew into a small tree, and then a big tree, and then it planted apples. So all that time, this tree has been waiting. If that farmer watched his, his planting, he could have been watching for years. That's seasons. He could have been watching for this thing to come. And though he did not get back his original seed... What he has gotten back is an apple that within this apple, there is about 10 or 15 seeds. And there's a, there could be potentially hundreds of, tr- of apples on one tree. And then you multiply that by many seasons and many seasons that this apple tree produces apples. And though you don't get back your original seed, what you do get back is many more if you wait in due Season. That's what Paul's talking about here. And, and how you plant and what you plant matters because God blesses what he possesses and God energizes what he initiates. Amen? Let's turn our attention this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. And we're going to continue this thought process on. He says here, Paul says in verse 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, he says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And that gets better. And God is, is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispensed abroad, he's given the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Church today, there's a couple life lessons that I want to just quickly go through today that talk that we can deduct from this law of sowing and reaping. And the first one this morning is don't eat all of your seed. Your future is not in your bank account or in your stomach. It is in what you've sown. Any good farmer can tell you my future is not in my barns. My future is planted in the ground. Now, now listen today, when God leads you in a direction, God will also oftentimes first lead you to plant a seed. Now that means a lot to me, especially as it regards to this building campaign. Uh, there's been some things that God's been leading me towards for a number of years. There's some things, some dreams I have that I want to see God do in my life. And I was 
I was at a service not a few months ago and just praying about some things and praying about this and some other things. And God laid it on my heart and he said, Steve, it's time for you to plant a seed for you to see these things happen in your life. And so God at times calls us to plant a seed when he leads us in a direction. See, if this is true this morning, truth is you have all you need to walk under the blessing of God. Now, now for some of you, you might say, well, this is baloney because I know lots of people that are wealthy have all kinds of money and have all kinds of resources who are not even Christians. But church, you can't confuse money with blessing. There are plenty of people that have lots of money that have no blessing in their lives. They have money, but they're absolutely not blessed. There are people that are poor who have, while they have very little money, uh, they have all kinds of blessing in their life. Their life is marked with blessing, and their life is the fruit of the blessing. Church, money is not the only fruit of blessing. What is it? Well, listen as Paul continues. Verse 10, now he may, now he, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Now, not seed you haven't sown, right? Doesn't say, doesn't, Make that promise about seeds you've held into your bank account or you've held onto. It says what you have sown. And to those seeds, he increases the fruits of your righteousness. And while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Church, the blessing is to live under God's blessing that will, he, he will never leave us hanging. And he has the power to actually back that up. Why? Because God blesses what he possesses and God energizes what he initiates. Man, there's so many times in our lives where we decide things and make decisions on our future and on our security that has so much to do with the money that we have in our lives. And when we can understand this principle that God is our provider, that it's not us, it's not our normal means, it's God who provides things for us, we can come to grips with that and learn how to release our trust and release our lives into God's hands. We learn what faith is all about. See, sometimes you just need to plant the seed. And so you so don't eat all of your seed that this morning. Number two, plant what you want to harvest. Now imagine a farmer tells you what you go for a walk in his field. He says he has these fields and they're beautiful and they're all all been just recently planted. And he walks down these fields and he says, Man, this year I am expecting a great harvest of corn. I, I, I know that corn's up in value, it's up in price, and so it's going to be great. I want to get a lot of corn. He says, but this year, to be honest with you, wheat was just a much cheaper seed. So what I did is I planted wheat seeds, and I'm really praying hard that those wheat seeds, God will turn them into corn, uh, corn for my fruit. And so though I planted wheat, I expect to raise corn, you would tell the guy he's crazy. Yet many of us operate and live our lives just like that. We 
plant things and expect God to multiply them in a very different way. But these passages this morning teach us that that's not how it works in God's world. When it comes to this spiritual law that God's set up, he has told us that what you plant, you will harvest. See, some of us walk differently. We say, God, we want God to, to break his spiritual law of sowing and reaping when it comes to our own lives. When we refuse to honor the law he's put in place. God bless my marriage. Yet we plant no seeds of sacrifice, love, and time. Lord bless my kids' future. Yet what we plant in their lives is cussing and, and negativity and frustration. Lord, bless my health. Yet we plant seeds of French fries and hamburgers. Lord, bless my time. Yet our entire life revolves around our, our selfish wants. Lord, bless me spiritually. Yet we give him little time. On and so on and so on. You understand. You want joy. Why plant seeds of bitterness? You have all the seed you need to do all his God has called you to do, it's po just possible you haven't learned how to plant yet what you want to harvest. The third one this morning is plant based on how much you need to harvest. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, Give, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put to your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Church, when we are generous with our compliments, our time, our forgiveness, our grace, our finances, we can expect a harvest in due season. One thing you've got to know as well today is that every, every seed has a gestation period. Some seeds take a long time to, to, to grow and to, and to harvest, and some are very short. Take example, take uh, the seed if you, you know, your spouse, talking to your spouse and you say, man, why do you got to be so annoying when you eat? That's, that's a seed that's going to grow very quickly. But most seeds take much longer to harvest. And it's why we oftentimes give up or we sow very little because our vision is limited when it comes to our understanding of this spiritual law. So Luke 6 uses some interesting imagery. It talks about being pressed down, shaken together, and running over. When I was a kid, my mom took us blueberry picking, which I did not like very much. I, I, I was hot. There was ants out there. I, I wanted to be doing anything else except for picking blueberries when we were on vacation in Michigan. But this was a thing we had to do as a family. And so I remember going, picking blueberries. We had our own basket. We kind of go off to our own little part, spot in the woods. And I would do as much as I could uh, picking blueberries and putting leaves in there and other things so that it looked like I picked more than I actually did. And I remember going back to my mom and giving my stuff to her. She'd shake the basket and she'd pour it elsewhere. And what I had picked suddenly didn't look quite so large anymore because it was pressed down, shaken together, and, and, and running over. Church, you can't cheat God out of his own promise. This passage says, with the same measure you used, we measured back to you. Many of us want God to back up the truck and pour out a blessing on our lives, yet we give with what can be considered an eyedropper. And the, and the Bible here tells us with the same measure that we give, we measured back into our own lives as well. Church, this is not just someone's idea. 
This is a spiritual law, a spiritual principle that God put in motion that the Bible talks about time and time and time again. When we measure our seed with as little as we can to get by, we need to let God speak Luke 6 to us one more time. Few things in the Word are more clearly given as laws that we can test God on than giving. And few have as many tangible blessings promises a blessing as much as this concept. And the truth again this morning is, is this. God blesses what he possesses and God energizes what he initiates. Why does God care so much about our giving? Because God cares much more about our heart. And God understands the connection that our giving has with our heart. God understands the connection that we have between our hope, our future, our joy, our peace, all these things. This soul often has this incredible connection with what we have in our possession. And when we can learn how to be generous with that, we can learn how to, as our one of our values of our church is life is best lived with an open hand. We can learn how to live with an open hand and not so closed and not so, 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 so self-reliant and self-centered, but we can live God-reliant and God-centered. Then God has promised to pour out blessing on our lives when we walk and live as he has called us to. So that's my question for you today. What has God called you to plant in the ground? What are some things God's called you to plant in your lives? Are there some seed that God's called you to plant? In a few moments this morning, we are going to be uh, talking about our building campaign. Uh, there's no secret here this morning that I, I think this is a, a valuable thing for us to work towards and for us to give to. Church, God has blessed us richly. God has multiplied us. God has used this church to bless many of you out there this morning. And, and, and this today, if you're here and you sit here and you say, I knew this is going to be about money, no way, I'm not giving a dime. And you know what I tell you? Then fine, don't give. Just take this message and put it in your heart and remember this the next time that God's called you to give. See, the Word says God loves a cheerful giver. And so if you can't give with cheer, then just don't do it this morning. I'm not calling you to that. I'm calling those who see this as an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to sow some seed of my future and my life into this ministry and into this thing. I'm going to sow some seed and I'm going to expect that, Lord, what you have told us in the word is true. So this morning, if you would, fill out those, those cards, fill whatever that out, if you would this morning. Let's stand up today, and I want us to hold up our gifts and our commitments to the Lord this morning. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to do something big through our decisions today to give back a portion of what God has given us. Jesus, we hold these in our hands this morning. We trust you, Lord, as a church body, that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above whatever we ask, think, or pray. Lord, we believe this spiritual principle that you have laid down in word of, in your word of sowing and reaping. Lord, we believe it. We trust you. And for some of us, Lord, we are making big commitments today, Jesus, to, to Lord, to put our, our lives and our hearts in your hands and trust that, Lord, you will do what you've told us you would do.
Lord, some of us sow seeds, Lord, because we have big things that we want to see happen. And Lord, you've called us to sow a seed. And Jesus, we expect, Lord, that you will continue to make good on your word and on your truth. And Lord, help us and cause us to walk under the blessing of your life. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you, God. Will you minister in this church, Lord Jesus? 